1: This is North,
0: North, 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 South. Everybody, Tim Kawakami here, North and South episode with my co-host, the Los Angeles Times own Dylan Hernandez. Got a bunch of stuff all happening at once, as is normal. We have a little football game coming up on Sunday in Las Vegas, I'm not there yet. Uh, We've got some A's news. We've got some Shohei Ohtani getting 35,000 people to a media event or a fan fest or whatever. And they paid money for this. Dylan Hernandez, I don't think, paid money for this, but he was there. Uh, Just major, major things happening in this world, in the California state of things. Dylan, what do you want to talk about first?
1: Let's start with the the big game, the Super Bowl, the Taylor Swift Bowl. Um, You know,
0: Taylor Swift Bowl, yeah.
1: You know, I, the other night, uh, you know, we had a kind of like a farewell party for like a departing colleague at the times. And, uh, you know, I was kind of surprised that it was kind of unanimous around the table, uh, except for me, that, you know, the, the favorite at the table was clearly like the Chiefs. Um, yeah. You know, and again, this is very unscientific, but, uh, you know, uh, what was it over the weekend? You know, I was, my kid had like a soccer game. Some of the dads were kind of talking about the, the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, and it just seemed very kind of a lot of people think the Chiefs are going to win. Um, you know, when I look at kind of the strengths of the teams overall, like I get the fact that, you know, you do have Mahomes on that side. To me, it just looks like the Niners have a lot more. I was surprised in, because of that, that it was so kind of one sided. Uh, where are you? Look, how, how do you see this thing kind of going into the big game now?
0: Yeah, I haven't made my official prediction yet. I will later in the week uh i tend to try to want, just kind of get a feel for everything i've been wrong on these things before and patrick mahomes is a very very powerful <laughs> reason to pick the chiefs it's not like he's putting up massive numbers he's not it's a different kind of offense you know they're very defense based there which is kind of interesting for a pat mahomes you know maybe it's like a patriots year where brady wasn't lighting it up although he lit it up often it's where the Patriots kind of leaned on the defense. It feels like the Chiefs are the new Patriots. Mahomes is the new Brady. I'll just like I, I do go to this, like, Brady lost some Super Bowls, though. Like, he didn't, he wasn't undefeated in the Super Bowls. Um, I just think, I hate to put it just on Brock Purdy, because that's so talk show. That's ESPN. That's every show. Is he a lead? Is he not a lead? If they lose, it's his fault. If they win, it's, you know, I I, I really try to avoid that stuff. It's just too simpleton, but <laughs> I keep coming back to Brock Purdy's going to need to make some real plays. He's going to need to play better than he did in the first two games of this postseason. We saw it in the second half against Detroit, different kind of defense. I think he's going to need to run. I think he's going to need to get at least one big play with his legs. I think in every other angle, if you give the Chiefs Mahomes as a plus two or whatever, I mean, the super edge there, but all other factors taking Purdy out of it, the team's pretty even. Like this is... The, the foreigners can compensate for not having Patrick Mahomes in a lot of other ways, except uh, here and there, I think Purdy's going to need to make some plays either, you know, move around for and throw to somebody who gets open deep because he's buying time or move around and go run something Two twenty-one 21 yard runs in the, in the a- 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 NFC championship game, both in the second half, both a huge place, one or two of those, maybe not 21, but you know, maybe get a 15 and a, an 11 for a key first down. If that happens, and I'm leaning towards that, they are the favorite team, right? Four Niners are favored, which is still surprising to me. I think the Four Niners are going to win. I'm not committing to it for sure, for sure. i still got to look at this. This practice field thing is interesting right there. They got a bad practice field uh, draw out of it. You know, the Chiefs are at the Raiders' lush site, and Four Niners are on the spongy UNLV grass over artificial turf. We'll see. Uh, I have liked what I've seen just from the media night. Not that it means a ton. Like Brock Purdy was smiling the whole time. He's not feeling like this is too big for him. I don't think his teammates think that. I really don't want to say it's on Brock Purdy, but I think a lot of this is on Brock Purdy. Just that just that last percentage of this game. Let's see what he's got. I'm certainly not going to kill him if he doesn't do it. I'm not going to call him the greatest quarterback of all time if he does do it. But I think he's got an in him in a way that we haven't seen from a four-downer cornerback since Steve Young, which happens to be the last time they won the Super Bowl. Um, I will that wasn't against Patrick Mahomes. I, I still give myself the right to go back to Patrick Mahomes, but he doesn't have the weaponry that he had, you know, four years ago when they beat him. And even then they played him really good. He's probably a better quarterback than he was then. The numbers just aren't the same. Um I'm leaning to 49ers. If I believe in Brock Purdy can make a couple plays, I'm convincing myself of that. I'm not hundred percent there yet, but uh, tell me if I'm wrong, Dylan Hernandez.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, I, I'm kind of more leaning that way too. Right. And which is again, why, why I was so surprised, you know, uh, just kind of one thing I think on, on them being the favorites, I do kind of wonder, right. You know, with LA teams, uh, we always kind of see this and because of the proximity to Vegas, you have a lot of big, um, You know, L.A. crowds in Vegas, so, like, it kind of skews the odds, right? The Dodgers always enter the season as the World Series favorites just because a lot of people from L.A. are betting in. Kind of it sounded like last night, right, at the media day. Uh, It was a very kind of pro-Niners, right, kind of atmosphere and stuff. So I kind of wonder if that has skewed the odds at all. You know, one question I have for you is, you know, I, I think, and we saw this here in L.A. with the Rams, where, you know, kind of the year that the team that won the Super Bowl um, you know, a lot of that was kind of, you know, uh, the changes that were made, you know, the, the couple of years before that were really kind of inspired by that Super Bowl loss. Right. Um, you know, ultimately, when they lost to the Patriots and, you know, Goff, you know, that office got completely shut down by by Bill Belichick. That kind of resulted in the Matthew Stafford trade. Right. Changes were kind of made. OK, we can't quite do the same thing, obviously. You know, they you know, this wasn't really a choice, but they had to move on from Todd Gurley. Um, how is this team different from, you know, the team that last played in the Super Bowl? I know obviously that there are, you know, some, some, you know, key guys that, that remain from that, but how, how different is this team? And what do you think, I mean, has there been kind of a direct correlation between, okay, that game and how do we become the team that can win that game?
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's one bigger bit, one big, 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 big difference among many differences. Cause there's only eight players on the four ers who played in that game or are still on this team. Brock Purdy's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. He is. Like Garoppolo had a chance to win that game. They're up 10. He had played okay through an interception, but he had played fine. I think he was going to be the MVP if they hold on to that game. They're up 20 to 10. And then the Chiefs hit that third and 15, tory Kill, and it just avalanche hit. And Garoppolo, somebody had to just will them to a couple first downs. That's what it took. And Garoppolo was not good enough. And then they get down, and he has Emmanuel Sanders pop open deep. Uh, I was right, you know, on that line. I could see that him coming open deep, and the ball goes up, and he overthrows him. I don't think Brock Purdy usually overthrows that, you know. Again, you, oh, you never know, but and he he can move a little bit. He can, you know. Garoppolo had two passes batted down by Chris Jones. Brock Purdy can have passes batted down. He's short, and like that happens. It happened. That Aiden Hutchinson got him twice in the NFC Championship game. But if he moves, you have a better shot at it. I think he will move. Just that again, I. Really try to resist just saying this about the quarterback, but the quarterback's a big deal because the defense is not, the 49ers defense is not as good as it was in 2019. Uh, they had, uh, you know, D Ford on the opposite side of Nick Bosa. Uh, definitely a, a presence. They don't quite have that now. Uh, they had a little, probably a little bit better. Secondary was at least healthier, although they, they blew it against Tyreek Hill that one play. They had DeForest Buckner in the middle, which they don't have now. Um, I just think that, you know, they're similar to that team four years ago in the same way that the Chiefs are similar, but they're both gone undergone some major differences. Uh, the Chiefs' offense is just not as explosive. They run the ball more and they play defense. They're very more, they got more Shanahan-like, uh, you know, just try to, you know, out-hit you, out-first-down you, and they're going to go, you know, 11 plays, 75 yards, whereas before it was two plays, 75 yards. Uh doesn't mean they can't get the deep ones. It just means that they don't usually, and the 49ers are kind of built to, to go up against that. They kind of want you to try to go little by little because then they think they're going to make a play in there. Um The defense is similar looking. I don't think it's as good. The offense is very similar. Oh, and also they have a guy named Christian McCaffrey. Right? I mean, they get Brock Purdy over Jimmy Garoppolo, Christian McCaffrey over Raheem Mostert. It's hard to say that's like, that's a big couple differences. And the Chiefs, if anything, have gone backwards offensively, it just personnel wise, if you know Tyreek Hill, obviously. Um, now I'm talking myself into hard 49ers here, Dylan. Way to go. Uh, the more consequential thing, I think, for this game was last year, which, which happened to McCaffrey's first game. Remember, he, was, he arrived on Friday on the trade and played on Sunday, which is kind of remarkable. Uh, but the foreigners just got twisted and turned around by the Chiefs. It was just a whoosh, 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 and all that jet motion, jet sweep. All They just got kind of their heads spun around and got blown out. Again, that was with Grappolo as a quarterback, not Purdy. But defensively, it was very similar to what they've got now. Uh, did not play it well. Now a new coordinator, like, it's not exactly the same. But they've been getting beaten outside in these playoffs. Like, the, the, the Lions just went outside, on the outside, outside, outside. Uh, they have to play that better. I thought they would play it better th- than they did against the Lions, but um, that game last year, I think, really is the one they got to be looking at. Uh, McCaffrey wasn't, you know, nearly what he for them what he is now. Uh, but I think that that might show that this is they're gonna have to score some points. I, I think this might turn into a mini shootout. Super Bowls tend to do that sometimes. Big plays, big plays. Uh, they they're gonna need to make some big plays because the Chiefs are gonna diagram some big plays. The Chiefs kind of have that that thing on them. Uh, they can score. Danny Reed can figure out how to score. Might come down to a field goal kicking, and the Chiefs' field goal kicker is way better than the foreigner. Jake Moody has been shaky all season. The numbers are okay, but anybody who's watched him knows he's been shaky. He's you know I think he's been one for two in both NFC playoff games. That could be a killer miss in this game, but. Um, I just think you add McCaffrey and Brock birdie to the mix is a pretty big thing to add. Uh, just a uh, sight unseen across any matchup. Uh, and I I'm, I'm picking, you no, know, I'm going to, to pick. I think, I think four i probably going to win. I'm again, I reserve the right to change my mind, but I think the four are probably going to win this game. I think Christian McCaffrey is my pick for MVP. You know, you,
1: you, from the time, pretty much, I think we started recording, right, this podcast and uh, started speculating about Brandon Staley's future. And, right, we started talking about Harbaugh, you know, you kind of talked about, right, uh, you know, and mentioned this in his introductory press conference about kind of wanting to win that Super Bowl, you know, what it's meant to him kind of in his kind of career story. Uh, you know, I think we saw, again, with the Rams and McVay where You know, I think the feel was kind of he got completely torn down, you know, was kind of lost for about a year or two, you know, and then kind of had to rediscover himself. Right. To get back to that point. Um, What has you think, you know, that that Super Bowl loss meant to Shanahan? Uh, How has he kind of responded to kind of all that? And, and, you know, uh, what has kind of been, you know, I don't know how much of an influence, I guess, has it been that loss on him? You know, kind of going forward from that point.
0: Interestingly, you know he's had a couple losses. Now, one as the OC, right for Atlanta Falcons, up twenty-eight-three, and you lose to the Patriots, which is right before he took the 49ers job. Basically, had already taken the job, uh, not officially though. Um, but you ask the 49ers people, not Kyle specifically, but Jed York said it. I've heard it from other people. They think their NFC Championship game losses are more painful. Like th- they remember those more. Uh, Super Bowl, you get to this elevated stage. You're up against Patrick Mahomes uh you know like you're not saying gee it's okay if you lose you you really obviously you get hit in the head when you lose the game and you think your life this is what kyle has said to me like you think like am i even going to wake up the next day this is what happens in football right you win or you lose what, what are you going to do but the, like last year's nfc championship game when brock purdy and josh johnson get hurt in the first half and they have no quarterback in the second half was the most pained i've ever seen kyle mm-hmm. like he cried at the, at the a little bit at the post game John Lynch was had tears in the locker room. They lost the year before that to the Rams. They, it was incredibly painful for them. Uh, and um, they thought they had that. Joukowsky-Tart intercepts Stafford. Then they win that game and he drops the ball and the Rams score and the whole thing. We know what happened there. And they had to watch the Rams win the Super Bowl, which was not pleasant to them. Uh so we'll see, maybe they're just, this is rhetoric. Maybe, you know, it, it's all this crushing weight on Kyle Shanahan. And at some point it is because we know what the conversation will be. If he does not win this game, he does have to win this game at some point in his career to be considered a great coach. I've called them part of the NFL establishment. I think he is. He's clearly, you know, he and Shane and McVay are the two longest tenured NFC coaches. So if are just saying something, one of them is 44, I think the other one's barely 40 Kyle's 44. Um, I do think it weighs on Shanahan. I think it weighs on the whole franchise, but they're doing a lot to try to like, say that they got just want to keep getting shots at it. They think that if they keep getting shots at it, they're going to win one of them and maybe two of them. And maybe this is the first one. Maybe it's not. We'll have to recalculate after this game, see where they're at. But they're trying not to say, oh, my God, the whole thing's over if we don't win this game. Again, other people are going to say that if they don't win this game. I I get a lot of it. I try to push back on, listen, you know, you don't want to rip somebody for getting to the Super Bowl. There's a lot of teams that don't. So you're going to rip them too. Uh, it, it's a hard thing. And you end up going against the Chiefs number 15. That ain't easy. Br- Tom Brady screwed up a lot of people's Super Bowl careers. A lot of them. Uh, you know, there's this is not an e- Joe Montana, the same thing. This is not an easy thing. But um, I don't think it weighs on them right now. Maybe it will on Monday or Sunday night. But right now, I don't think it's this gripping pressure. Like if they're up three in the fourth quarter, they're going, oh, no. And I don't think that's the way the mindset will be. Now, if Mahomes comes out and starts whipping it around and they're down 21 nothing, then maybe that's, oh, my God, here we go again. I don't think that's going to happen, and I don't think they're going to feel like that. Um Again, I'm not saying what the ESPN talk shows are going to be like on Monday should they lose. Uh, there will be a pile-on effect. Fine. That's the way media goes. But I don't feel like I, – I, you know, totally, it's the capstone to any coach's career. It's, it's what a franchise dreams of. But they are purposely saying, like, listen, Super Bowls or Super Bowls. You don't know. You, you just got to make some plays. The NFC Championship game losses were the ones they really rue. They're the ones that they think about. In their minds, doesn't mean it's actually true, but that's what they're saying. It's an interesting way to kind of formulate this. Um, they do have a 24-year-old quarterback. You know, I mean, it's not like this window is slamming shut anytime soon. They've got some big, you know, salaries to account for, no question. But you can you can work with that. You know, there's, they've done it. They've paid some big money up front. So in order to push the the, the, the cat pits into the future, uh, I think they feel good about this roster. It's just interesting that they're not trying to put all, all, all the marbles on this one game. And then they'll go show up, celebrate like crazy if they win it. Obviously, they will celebrate like crazy if they win it. I do think they're pretty loose. They looked pretty loose last night. Um, you know, maybe you're your coach to be loose, maybe you intend to be loose. But and I I the one time where I really felt looseness meant something was the Cowboys' first Super Bowl. I was covering that for the LA Times. And Jimmy Johnson could not have been looser. Like he was, like people are saying, oh, he might be really tight. You know, he can be a real jerk. And in the media stuff, he was like joking and anecdotal and completely charming, which he can be. Uh, And Aikman and Emmitt, all those guys were super loose. And it led to them obviously playing very well. I don't, it's not a one-to-one. You never know. Hey, the, the Chiefs look loose too. They've been through this. I think the 49ers mindset though is for them to try to, you know, they've had two kind of stinkers in the playoffs and they've survived it. Doesn't mean they won't have another stinker, but I think there's some sense like, okay, we are ready to have our best game. Let's see what Mahomes can do.
1: So hard things in my old neighborhood up there. You know, obviously the Giants, the A's, right? Not really expected to do anything this season. Uh Warriors having uh, kind of a tough right. The Warriors having kind of a tough uh, yep tough season um i mean is this you know I, I was right i mean the niners have always been kind of king up there uh again maybe until like the Steph thing happened but um is this what what's kind of like the atmosphere like up up in north it's California? 49 man.
0: it is niners 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 like the niners showed up like you know eight of them showed up you know uh eric armstead george Tittle, debo samuel Brandon. i showed up at a warriors game recently and the whole place went 49ers like that. that Again, it's not like the Warriors are in the middle of their peak dynasty, but you still have Steph Curry out there. You still have Draymond Green and Chase Center turned into a 49ers place. Uh it's 49ers have been number one here, even through the Steph stuff. Like the Warriors had higher peaks, but the 49ers are consistently the number one sports store in the Bay Area. We'll will continue even when the Raiders were here. It was the 49ers, Warriors are gone, and it's 49ers. There's four. I know you love this stuff 49ers people on the street everywhere. There's 49er <laughs> colors. Dylan Hernandez would really love this. Uh, I go out walking around and it's just 49ers. It's you know, um, cars with 49er banners. It's 49ers town now. You know, Warriors, there's interest, no in the question. Giants are coming up. They, they kind of been knocked down a couple rungs, three rungs, five rungs, uh, from their heyday, but they're not winning you know, championships anymore. Uh, it kind of was a Giants town, and it's not. It's a 49ers town and a Warriors town, but uh it is super 49ers. Like people are stunned to see me still here. I'm I'm not in Vegas yet. Like, what are you doing? Why aren't you there? It's like, I hate I hate that Vegas stuff. <laughs> that that the media day stuff. I am very happy not to be there. But um, I get it. Like, this is 49ers territory right now. The whole Bay Area is 49ers, and people, you know, Sacramento is 49ers territory. This is a Huge, huge moment for 49ers fandom. I get it. Uh, I write about it. I'm very understanding of it. Uh, and we shall see what happens Sunday. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's all – everything else is kind of out the window right now. Now, it might be some A's interesting talk here, but mm-hmm. uh, that's a whole other thing. We'll get to that later. Uh, I kind of feel like L.A. similar, Dylan Hernandez. Like, there seems to be extreme focus – there's some Lakers, there's some other things. Hey, UCLA, Bath, whatever. But it seems like everything's kind of narrowing in on one thing, Dylan. What 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 would that one thing be if there is one thing?
1: Yeah, Shohei Ohtani and the Dodgers. You know, I think the Dodgers again kind of have been, you know, kind of to LA what the Niners are to the Bay Area, right? I do think obviously the Kobe Shack thing kind of changed the culture here a bit. Um, you know. Kobe's getting a statue unveiled later this week and all that it's kind of going to be a big deal but I do think you know kind of all things equal this is like a Dodger town and you know obviously over the last you know 10 or so years you know with under you know the Guggenheim people uh, the Dodgers have really kind of like just kind of loaded up they've just been right fielding one of the most expensive teams on the field year in year out Uh, you know and they had baseball superstars right on this team already and And Mookie Betts and and Freddie Freeman, uh, you know, and now they kind of added like a superstar superstar, right? Like a celebrity type player. And, you know, they just had their fan fest on Saturday. It's usually uh, I've always said that it's like one of the worst days of the year for me. You know, they just stick you like in the bullpen and you're just kind of waiting for players to like come through. And this year was even by the standards of that the worst uh, just in that they, I mean, they had almost 200 media people covering this stuff. I mean, I think, you know, kind of the, the technology too, right. The, the, the fact that people have camera phones now, uh, everybody wants like the, to document, you know, the fact that like, Hey, I saw Otani walking and it's kind of started to spread all over. Right. And I think, you know, um, You know, you see this a lot like in boxing. If there's like a big star at the time, you know, anybody who shows up at the fight, next thing you know, their camera's following every, you know, Tom, Dick, and Joe around. Um, You know, I remember at some point during this thing, uh, you know, Walker Bueller and Mookie Betts see each other. They haven't seen each other in a while. You know, they go to a and Next thing you know, they're like surrounded, and everybody's taking pictures (laughs) of this, you know, Uh, right? guys were, you know, coming in, you know, to, again, they would go from like the bullpen to the TV set and then onto like the main stage. And, you know, it's kind of they waking these walks, like the fans are all, you know, pressed up against uh, these railings. I mean, it, it didn't really feel like a sports atmosphere anymore. It feels like it's kind of jumped in terms of hysteria. This is, you know, this feels like a, like a BTS. I've never been to a BTS concert, but kind of what <laughs> I imagine a BTS concert would be like. I mean, Otani had seven security guards, two police officers with them. You know, I mean, it's it's crazy, you know, and. Mm-hmm. um. Yeah, like and already, you know, it's kind of turning into right. And in Japan, obviously, this is this is the biggest story over there, right? He has become to Japan what you know Maradona is to Argentina, what what Chavez was to is to Mexico. You know, this guy that not only is he the best athlete that country's produced, but he re- really kind of represents, I think, how the country views itself. You know, he's kind of the idealized version of like, you know, if you if you're raising a kid, that's what you want him to be like um and so you know you are getting kind of right it's it's getting very kind of tabloidy, even like a lot of the coverage because they you know they're Japanese media has to come up with a story every single day no matter what you know and you know last week there was something really kind of a silly story that kind of ran in like one of these like tabloidy magazines about you know that that Otani's interpreter is married to a former cheerleader of like the baseball team that they were at you know previously the Nippon Ham fighters and How now she's getting bombarded with requests, you know, by current cheerleaders to, you know, introduce them to Otani. And, you know, he came out and said, like, hey, this isn't this isn't true. You know, it got it's getting kind of to that point. Um, Very interestingly, the Dodgers have not hired a kind of Japanese PR person to kind of control this at all. Um, You know, because the one thing about Japanese people, they're very good about like following rules. You know, Uh, I think it would make their lives a lot easier. I mean, personally, I don't mind this. I'd rather have the chaos, in a way. But you you uh, live
0: in the chaos in between in the, the scenes there. <laughs> I do. You know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's
1: just kind of nuts now, man. Um, I was one. I know, read your uh,
0: column. I read your column from that. Obviously, I read all your, certainly your Otani columns. And one thing struck me. We've talked about this, where like Freddie Freeman was really good about it, and you know, anecdotal about what this means and who they are. And then a Japanese uh, media person said, oh, yeah, could we talk to, you know, would Freeman be a good quote, you know, on days when Otani's not talking, which is like, that's the real thing, right? That's the, like, how much burden is this going to put on their other stars or anybody else, uh, you know, when and if Otani isn't talking, which does seem like it's, he's certainly not going to talk every day. Uh, And yet you have the Japanese media there and you have other media Dylan Hernandez there who are going to demand stuff every day. And is Freddie Freeman going to love that? We're like, we're going to Freddie Freeman. And How was Otani on that foul out, right? And that foul ball that he hit, what'd you think about it? Uh, I, I, I'm not saying it's wrong for the Japanese media to be there. It's certainly the, where the market is. And they're delivering for their audience. But it's like that thing could get a little bit unwieldy fast in that clubhouse. Yeah. You know, whether that contributes to wins or losses, I don't know. I'm just saying... That quote to me, and clearly I'm sure it meant to you, like, watch out, everybody. Like, here comes the tidal wave, and are you ready for it?
1: Yeah, and I don't think the Dodgers are really, right? I mean, I don't think they quite understand, like, again, just the, the – I mean, let's say Otani wanted to talk every day. Logistically, this would be a problem, right? I mean, they have – they built out, like, a kind of press conference room outside their clubhouse, right, that a lot of times, you know, say Dave Roberts post game goes into. That room won't fit everybody. Right. Like, um, you know, in in over the years, you know, kind of various right with each hero, I think, you know, two Japanese reporters uh, would be kind of let in basically into these things as pool reporters. They would ask questions as representatives, you know, of the Japanese media. Uh, But yeah, like I don't think they've really kind of thought this through, you know, and just in the clubhouse now. I mean, you know, hey, we all have press credentials. It allows us to be in there. Right. I mean, you can't just arbitrarily decide, okay, well you know only this many japanese people can get in if they're all bbwa members right so uh and then yeah you're right you're you know and i think with the angels kind of the dynamic that was different was you know you had otani you had trout you had rendon and then you had a bunch of kids right um you know they're, they're not you know these are 22 20 in some cases 22 23 year old kids who are just happy to talk to anybody oh you want to talk to me like hey great you know um this is i, I dreamed of doing this as a kid you know and this isn't that clubhouse, right? This is a team uh, that's that's getting ready to win. That's a, It's a veteran team. Every piece there is there for a reason, right? And you're here to do a very specific job. Yeah, and I do really wonder how this is going to go, uh, you know, as the season progresses. And especially, you know, Tani is changing leagues, right? Um, I wouldn't, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he got off to a slow start, frankly, you know, and, and now if that happens, Right now, all of a sudden, I mean, it's one thing if the guy's hitting home runs, you can always say, you know, get somebody to say, man, like he really crushed that. Right. Like, he's such an amazing player. What if the guy's hitting like 180? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> hey, what and do he's you Not think pitching, not pitching, right. not pitching right. once a week. You know, not, yeah, exactly. You know, um, I think that becomes that's going to be kind of a challenging thing. Uh, what I did find interesting, you know, is uh, obviously, you know, Altani's contract includes this thing that basically he can opt out of his deal. If Mark Walter, the controlling owner of the team, sells the team, or if Andrew Friedman, the president of baseball operations, leaves, um, you know, which has you know, it's kind of been interesting because over the last few years, I think there's been kind of this, you know, uh, kind of previously when they've lost, it was always kind of Dave Roberts's fault, right? Andrew Friedman's a genius, and Dave Roberts is at fault here. Um, I think in the last couple of years, that is kind of the blame has kind of started to gradually shift to where people are saying like well, you know, especially we saw it last year where they basically went into the playoffs with zero pitching. It's like, well, whose fault is this? This is is Friedman's fault, right? And so, you know, kind of in this battle of who's going to take the fall if things kind of really go bad, uh, really kind of now has shifted, right? Now it's squarely back on Roberts because of this Otani clause, right? Because they're not going to let Otani go. So Friedman is now safe because of this. And it was really interesting to see how Dave Roberts was going to kind of react to this, you know, and now when he took the stage at fan fest, he just leaned all into it. Right. Cause he's like, look, I'm going to get blamed no matter what. And without kind of saying it, the implication was kind of, Hey, we're the greatest team ever, <laughs> you know, just, um, I mean, he did a whole, you know, Hey, what do you think about our roster? Like, he's like, are you kidding me? You know, like he, he went, you know, he, he did a whole thing with the crowd and like, who do you think should bat first? Right. He let them in theory take the one, two, three hitters. So According to the crowd response, it's going to be Betts, Freeman, Otani in that order. Probably would have been that regardless. But, um, you know, so it's going to be kind of interesting, again, to see how he responds to this. I mean, we're seeing right now, you know, and that's the thing about spring training, right? Nothing bad has happened yet. So everybody can afford to be happy and all that type of stuff. They do report they, you know, because they opened the season in Korea, they opened camp on Thursday. Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah so we're so i'll be heading out there actually um, we'll get you from early. camp
0: next week dylan we'll, we'll get you from camp and week.
1: i will be driving together at least i got somebody <laughs> to drive with so uh, <laughs> we'll be I, was, I just
0: when when robert said that i saw like you uh, know this reminds me like he wasn't he just acknowledged that they were talking to shohei and they that was their focus of mm-hmm. free agency and i was like oh no you can't say that you can't say that like Dave, I was like what the hell like it kind of reminds me of I wrote a piece on Bosa uh, for his his uh, team speeches on Saturdays. So it's like he's a guy that can say whatever he wants to because he's Nick Bosa. At this point, like Dave Roberts has been under the heat so much, has been so criticized. Uh, he's like, what What are you gonna do to me? Like, what What are you gonna do? I'm gonna be as honest as I can be. And we know Dave, right? He's a really good guy. He really means well. He's in a really, you know, good and also not good job because. You are the Dodger manager, which is never bad. I'm sure he's been compensated just fine. Yet you're under, you know, the front office's thumb. We know that. And, and Andrew Freeman is going to want this team run a certain way. There are echoes of the Giants and Farhan Zayedi. Certainly, uh, you know, there's comes from the Dodger situation. But um, I was laughing when I saw him. What does he care? What, what, what does Dave Roberts care at this point? What are you going to do? Fire me? Fine. Fire me. Fire me. Uh, like you've been wanting to do for two years anyway. You don't think I'm. I used to talk about this with Billy Beams, like. Billy, if managers aren't really that important, why do you keep firing them? Right? Because like, if they're not important, they're not important. Go, no, no, no. That's not what I mean. But uh, it's like, it's a weird little uh, setup. Like that's the guy who talks all the time, yeah. And yet we know that's not the person making the decisions. It's just this weird construct. Uh, certainly different than the NFL, where the uh, the coach does make every decision. It's a very like when Kyle Shannon's is up there, he's like everything he says is that that matters. Same thing with Andy Reid. Less so with the Dodgers and and Dave Roberts. I do want to end this with the little blurb from the A situation, Las Vegas. As you know, I'm quite cynical about John Fisher's ability to do anything with the stadium, including this Las Vegas deal at the Tropicana site. Uh, They have not come up with any details. I mean, this thing was passed months ago uh, by the Nevada, and it was passed by the MLB owners, I think, in November, and still nothing.
1: That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion.
0: BlueNile.com. And now the mayor of Las Vegas, who she does not have jurisdiction over that, that site. It's not Las Vegas, actually. Very ceremonial, Carol Gullman. But she's a cheerleader for Ooh. having pro teams there and the F1 there and all this stuff. And she tells front office sports Owen Poindexter, who I know uh on a pie who seemed very surprised that maybe they should just stay in in oakland like maybe that would be better and you know the tropicana site doesn't really feel realistic again ceremonial no oversight she isn't deciding this not even her city it's actually paradises where that you know it's a whole bugsy seagull thing Or you're building these casinos outside of las vegas jurisdiction but it's right there literally what everyone thinks it was las vegas just feels like like this isn't exactly the, uh, the the situation where Las Vegas is swooning over John Fisher anymore. And maybe they're beginning to feel there's some issues here. I've always say that about him. I've watched him blow good deals time and again, as an as someone watching from outside Dylan, but knowing the baseball landscape, knowing the Vegas landscape, what the A's are doing. How do you read this?
1: Yeah, I mean. It just sounds like a mess, right? I mean, you know, because this is the other thing, too, is like a lot of kind of the expansion sites, right, that are being considered for MLB, you know, like, say, Nashville, like Portland, right there, there are actual groups there already, right? So it's not like, okay, well, let's just pick up and like, go to Nashville, you know, because there's already kind of like infrastructure in place. I mean, I've heard, you know, because I think there are like four of these projects kind of going on concurrently. And like one of them is like even hiring scouts. Right. So,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> right. So it's not like, you know what I mean? Like if they, the A's were to relocate to like one of those, pick one of those cities, they would have to like sell the team, which doesn't seem like is in Fisher's plans. Yeah, right yeah,
0: that, that's why and Las Vegas was the site. That's right. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah. So
1: they're kind of, it feels like you said, right. They, they were kind of boxed into Vegas. Uh, you know, I mean, I'd love to see something work out in Oakland. I don't know if that's even doable at this point. Again, I, I just kind of go back to, uh, having watched like playoff games, this, uh, there right? Like when, you know, they had um, Grant Balfour, you know, and people in the bullpen area were just going nuts when he would come in. I mean, it's a it's a unique atmosphere in baseball, you know. Um, but I don't I mean, you, you know, the politics up there and stuff better. I mean, is this if Vegas isn't doable, is is Oakland salvageable?
0: It's salvageable. I mean, I I was told again and again, like he was offered the best deal that Oakland is going to come up with. Like he really was at at, at Howard Terminal. It's a very complicated thing. Obviously, economic factors go into it. Would all the retail, would all the housing, would that all come into play? Would would they get the business that they are hoping for? Would they get the 2.8 million or however many they need to, to, to satisfy all the different funding things? I don't know. I think there is incredible distrust now (laughs) on both sides when, and there should be on the, on the city side. Uh, Oakland is tough to deal with. We know, I mean, they've lost the Raiders and the, and the, and the Warriors, uh, and are, you know, whatever percent of the way to losing the A's, which is kind of what they focused everything on. They did focus on trying to keep the A's, uh, Mark Davis is very clear about it. they screwed them on that Coliseum site by sitting on it and not letting the Raiders try to develop it themselves, which is again where I think Mark Davis would have wanted to be. Uh, interestingly, now that, now that the uh, Super Bowl is in Las Vegas in his stadium, it's gonna be tough for Oakland, I think, to go back and trust anything John Fisher says or does. They've learned again, they're city officials, it's a mess, but he just, the things he says don't come through. They like, don't like he's messed this up in site after site, after site, he's keep like, you think this is going to happen. Why would this happen correctly when he's screwed it up in four other sites and zigzagged on both of them and said bad things about one site and then gone back to that site and said, Oh no, no this is the only site might need new ownership. Again, this is a oh, step two, three, four steps down the road. Uh, But I think my sense from the people I've talked to in MLB who, you know, are trying to push this idea that he can get it done in Las Vegas. But they're basically saying, that's the deal. Like, wouldn't you, you know, this is where you've got to build. You've got to figure out how to do in Las Vegas. Any 90% decent owner would get it done, would just pay the money it takes to get it done in Las Vegas, get everything in line, because that's where you have to do this. So they're just saying, okay, so he'll do it, right? A logical owner would get this done. John Fisher is not one of the 90%. He's one of the 10% of screw-ups uh, or even, you know, 5% of screw-ups. Whatever he is, he's there. He's not Frank McCourt yet. That's a whole other thing. The last owner to be shoved out of the MLB. But he's around there. I mean, they like him. Like, the owners like him. I can't quite understand why he's a personable guy, but very shy. And kind. Of, I think they kind of feel sorry for him. But... Their their explanation to me is: Would you lay off of him? He's going to have to get this done in Las Vegas, but that's their interpretation. Doesn't mean that he's going to actually do it. I, I understand the logic of this. They think that he couldn't get it done on, in Oakland, and they're okay with that. And they want to maintain. They're not going to vote him out just because of that, because they want their own deals. They want their own pressure with their municipalities. They want to have their own leverage, and they don't want to take it away from another owner. But what's logical and sensible for anybody who you know that stan Cronkey felt like he had to do in la and joe lake felt he had to do in san francisco and all these other you know the padres stadium all these things in california which we know it costs some money but it was logical to just put that money in because you're going to end up making it back i don't think stan Cronkey is weeping over having that <laughs> stadium built uh, and I don't. I know Joe Lacob is not weeping over all the money he put in the to Chase Center. And Jed York is not weeping over the money he put in the Levi's. They're getting the Super Bowl in a couple of years. Like, this is just how you're supposed to do it. But I keep hearing from people, of course he's going to do it. This is where he has to do it. And I keep saying, John Fisher is supposedly going to do it in, in Laney College. He was supposed to do it at Howard Terminal. He was supposed to do it at the Coliseum. He was supposed to do it in San Jose. And he can't ever get it done. Why would this be the one time he can get it done? So I just feel like there's been a... Chen Rosenthal, The Athletic, wrote a good story recently. So did Jeff Passan for ESPN about just these deadlines coming up, these things that they're not happening, these renderings that are not showing up, this financial plan that has not materialized. There's still time for it to happen, but we're all seeing time pass. And this 2028, when they're going to have the stadium done, I think keeps getting like iffier and iffier. And where are they going to play? Like that's Mm -hmm. like... The practical part where are they going to play after the, the lease with the Coliseum ends after this coming season, they don't have that done. Like there was deadlines. Supposedly they got to put a schedule out. Teams got to know where they're going to play, right? Like the Yankees are going to like, where are we booking hotels guys? And they don't know. And they are making these tours. It's just so John Fisher. And I just think some of these pieces are showing up to, you know, stakeholders or whatever you want to call the mayor. And they're mm-hmm. saying, you know what this isn't feeling really good and you need so many things to line up to get a stadium to smash it into that little space nine acre space on a strip and can you imagine the traffic that's going to be involved the traffic's terrible already there yeah um i just think that they they rushed into this i get it they're just desperate for something and under any other normal logical like suppositions this would be done John Fisher does not fit those John Fisher hesitates and he is haphazard and he doesn't have real plans and he just kind of make believes. The and they bought it in Las Vegas. They might be beginning to back off the, the betting on this. You know, I'm not saying the casinos are backing off. I'm not saying that other, you know, the political people who actually have power, there are backing off. I'm just saying this is the beginning of some common sense popping up maybe. And maybe they can still get this done if he's willing to, you know, he's going to have to spot $800 million of his own and or figure out how to finance that. And I don't think he wants to. And this is a a big part of the delay. And let's see it happen. I I am always going to be skeptical of this. And I think this is beginning just like other people are saying, yeah, there's heavy reason to continuously be skeptical about John Fisher. And we will see more of this.
1: What's their TV? Are they a Valley scheme?
0: Say it again, no, they're they're a Com- you know, Comcast team because okay, there's no so balance. That that's yeah. the, another big thing is they get 70 million dollars, you know, about a year from Com- which is unbelievable. the A's, 70 million dollars. I don't the ratings are terrible, but they have to stay in the Bay Area. The games must be in the Bay Area for the A's to get that money. Uh, I think the idea is they're gonna play, you know, they might play, you know, some games in San Francisco, some games in Sacramento, whatever. if which would be bizarre. Like you're just you're dropping your team all over, you know, the West, so it's just bizarre, which no other team the MLB's ever done, certainly not in the modern age. Um, but to try they'll just negotiate Comcast will negotiate with them, I think is the idea. It'll drop it down from 70 million to whatever it is. Um, I don't know what I don't think they're worth five million, frankly, in local TV, knowing that nobody watches them. But um, that's a big deal. Like they 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 need that negotiate. They can't go from 70 to zero. Right. I mean, I mean, that would be, you know, what's 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 a Las Vegas cable company going to pay them like two million to games in Cashman Field or wherever they're going to play. It's big deal. And, you know, John Fisher cares about that. That's stuff that John Fisher absolutely cares about. I get why he would care about it, but he cares about it more than most. Like some owners would just say, this is what we have to do. We'll take the hit. We'll have a great stadium and that'll pay off in 15 years. John Fisher does not do that. I need that. $2 $2 I can say right here. I need it right now because that's the way I am. Even though I'm worth like $3.6 billion. Uh, that's who he is. That's who he's been throughout this process. Any other owner would have got this done at Laney college. Like that's the one where they build up and build up and built. up. Try San Jose, try Fremont, blah, blah, blah. Laney college in Oakland was the one, like if you just had the wherewithal to do it, the stadium by now would almost be built. And he couldn't defeat a city college board basically beat him he couldn't figure out how to get the vote by putting a stadium on their site could have, easily would have been the best place and he couldn't do it i don't know if he's gonna do it anywhere else i've, I've just been a skeptic on this one and uh people like, oh yeah you called it way back i, I just talked to people who's like kept pointing to me to all his failures and like give me give me a losing streak or win one time after a losing streak i'll keep continue to bet the streak that's what i do
1: yeah. I mean, right. That's the thing is that a lot of times, you know, cause I look at it from like a distance again and I don't know him. I don't know John Fisher at all. Right. Is that you just kind of assume, well, this guy possibly can't be this incompetent. <laughs>
0: that's,
1: that's the one thing that we learn, right, Tim, when we cover these people is sometimes you actually find out actually, sometimes these people are even dumber than we think. It's um,
0: and it's unbelievable. Yeah. Like the stuff yeah. they don't have people tell them, like he does not have his supplicants never tell him. like, Hey, you really got it. Like they don't cause they don't, they want to keep their jobs. Right, that's uh, well. That's yeah. part of
1: the whole magic, right? They get insulated yep. by their little yes men, yep. right? They have it's... their. I love these parasite people too. That kind of keep come in and latch on to the owner. You know, right oh, now with the Dodgers up. is Stan Caston. There was yep. uh, that Charles Steinberg guy with McCourt. Uh, you know, uh, Howard Sunken, Same. the you know former uh, L.A. lobbyist who became McCourt's like right hand guy. But yeah, they, these people keep the owners. Hey, no, you know, ignore that story. No, 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 no. no people no, don't no, think man. you're dumb. People don't think you're cheap. You know?
0: so. You're brilliant. you're brilliant, you're brilliant. Yeah, you know yeah. You don't keep those jobs by providing accurate information. you, you keep those jobs <laughs> by lying and misleading and not specific, specifically talking about anybody around John Fisher, but maybe I am. Uh, I've told I've made people cry with some of the things I've said and too bad. Dylan, I've never made you cry though. That's what I feel so <laughs> proud about. We'll see if I can. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, that I'm
1: dead inside, man. I have yeah. a. <laughs> you are dead inside, <laughs> frankly. Uh,
0: uh, that's what I love about you. All right, we got uh, we we covered all the topics here, Dylan. I think we're good. Super Bowl coming up. I'll be there Friday. I'll be covering it. We will talk Super Bowl next week, however it goes. The is defined. It's, it could only be about one game. Whatever you think about about the person's entire career, it only matters that one game and then basically like three plays in the fourth quarter. And you'll be down in uh, uh Arizona it's, with the yeah. hey, Shohei Otani's.
1: You, you think Taylor Swift's gonna make the game?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, she'll make it. It's no, too much. Like <laughs> this is now a challenge. Like you think I can't get from Japan in a concert to the Super Bowl? You better like CBS is gonna like have a Learjet ready for her to get her there so they can show her. I hope she's there. I'll be there. I'll, I'll wave to her. Uh, my last big game. Uh, the the Warriors getting eliminated by the. Lakers, I think, on whatever game it was, game six, whatever it was, and I I said hello to Kim Kardashian in the hallways there, yeah, so yeah. Uh, Taylor Swift would be a big step up. I'm happy, but I, I did like my meeting with Kim Kardashian also, so. Yeah. And then well, I, well, I might say Del- hi.
1: <laughs> I will say
0: Dylan says hi. He's dead inside, uh, but he says hi. Maybe that'll wake you up. Maybe that'll like get the spark good. back inside of you. We need it. We need it. All right, everybody, mm-hmm. that is the show for today. Take a Dylan. Yeah